0: Hey, landlords, are you ready to level up your rental game and simplify your life? Well, get ready to meet your new best friend, KeyCheck. KeyCheck is your all-in-one solution for stress-free property management. With tenant-paid screenings, rent payment processing, online lease creation with eSign, and a suite of incredible landlord tools, you'll wonder how you ever lived without it. No more chasing down checks or sifting through piles of applications. KeyCheck helps you organize and manage all things landlording in a simple and efficient way. So if you're tired of the rental chaos and crave seamless, efficient management, head over to keycheck.com and sign up today. Make landlord life a breeze with Keycheck, the game changer for modern property owners. Welcome to Landlord Diaries, where we talk about midterm rentals and the opportunities behind them. We'll share landlord stories, talk about maximizing investment potential, and discuss how to live the very best landlord life. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Furnished Finder, the place for everything midterm rentals. Remember to like and subscribe if you enjoy our content.
1: It's your host, Kelly Bailey from the Austin, Texas area. As you can tell, it's not Katie today. We have...
2: Nope, not today. Uh, Brian Payne. Um, I'm the co-founder of the company.
1: Awesome. Brian, what did you think about today's episode with Sarah?
2: Um, I think it's a must watch or must listen because Sarah I mean she is incredible like what she has built um is really inspiring and for a landlord you're looking at it and going okay it could get fairly daunting and and overwhelming pretty quickly um but she, it seems like everything that she's been faced with, and you're going to face stuff as a landlord, she's got an answer for, right? So she's built these systems, she's professionalized her herself and her processes, and she's really good at this stuff. So I would take a look, uh, if you're a landlord who is looking to scale or looking to professionalize, or maybe you're just considering the midterm rental space, um, I recommend this podcast.
1: We have Sarah Weaver with us today, who is the co-author of a new book called 30 Day Stay. We heard from Ziana already on the first half of the book, and we'll be talking with Sarah today about the second half of the book. We at Furnish Finder are extremely excited about this book release, as it's all about mastering the medium-term rental, and both ladies are Furnish Finder hosts. Sarah is a woman of many talents as an investor, speaker, author, and real estate consultant. Sarah leads worldwide group events for investors and offers one-on-one consulting sessions. If you don't know where to start when it comes to furnishing your midterm rental, then check out Sarah's company, company Aria Design Services, to help you launch your five-star furnished rental business. Uh, you can find the book for sale and connect with Sarah on her website, which is just her name, www dot sarah d as in what is your middle name danger oh <laughs> sarah danger dot <Weaver. laughs> uh hi sarah thanks for being here today how are you good thanks so much for having me you are welcome. We're so excited to talk with you. And if anyone is uh, watching rather than listening, you may have noticed Katie has changed a bit. She she is now our CEO, Brian Payne. So we have a special guest today. Hi, Brian. How are you?
2: Hey, guys. Yeah, I know. Cheap imitation. of. I'm not Katie Lyon, but I'm happy to fill in. Thank you for having me.
1: I I'm sure our guests are going to be very excited uh, to have you on the show today. So let's jump into the first question, Sarah, how did you get started in real estate and tell us your story of how you ended up where you are today?
3: Absolutely. So I bought my first rental property when I was 27. This was in 2017. And it's interesting. There was not a like specific moment where it was like, okay, I'm going to own real estate. I look back at my story when I take a 13,000 foot view and I realize there was always a whisper. So my dad works for a construction company um, and moved from blue-collar to kind of a managerial position, but I basically grew up on job sites, so grew up playing on dirt piles. And so through osmosis, I know a lot about how to build a house, Um, yet had no desire to be a construction worker or work for a construction company. I actually went to school for journalism. I have a degree in international studies and a degree in journalism. I wanted to be an international journalist, and I did that. Um, really proud of my my journalism resume. However, I realized really quickly that it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. I'm sure there's a lot of listeners out there with jobs that they're like, "Huh, I didn't quite know that that was what <laughs> this was what I was signing up for, right?" And I, and I realized that I wanted two things in my life: I wanted freedom to travel and financial independence, and Freedom to travel was probably going to happen from journalism, uh, but it was going to be where they told me to go, uh-huh. and so no journalist is is getting a ton of assignments um, on the beaches of Bali or Brazil, which is where I wanted to go. <laughs> and then definitely, unless you're unless you have a wonderful face for camera and you get a really really wonderful career in journalism you're not going to make a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And so I quickly realized that I wasn't going to make very much money or have freedom to travel. And so it was like, huh, what should I do? And I've always had the gift of gab or the ability to sell, but being a salesperson felt icky. I didn't know what I know now. I mean, I could have had a killer career in sales (laughs) had I known what I know now. Um, But again, it just was this whisper of real estate. I had met a real estate investor. I had met a few real estate agents and I thought,
1: hmm, I think I should try this. That is so cool. Uh, I actually um, loved the story in the book about how you bought your first property and I think it was Kansas and your dad was there uh, looking at it with you. Do you want to tell the audience your Kansas story?
3: Yeah. So it's kind of a bad cop, good cop story. Um, But before any of the listeners think like, oh, this girl has it made, her dad's in construction, her dad helped her. I have been independent since I was two. There's this great story of me getting dropped off at kindergarten and me looking at all the kids like crying because their parents are leaving and asking my mom, what's wrong with them? (laughs) <laughs> my mom's like, "Well, kid, they're sad to leave their parents. You're doing a happy dance." <laughs> so, so I've been independent since before I even knew what that word meant. And what happened was I had spent years abroad at this point, and I picked up the phone and I called my dad and I said, "Hey, dad, I think I want to buy a rental property." No one in my family has own, owns property except for their primary. Um, no one's a real estate investor, and frankly, I don't think they thought it was a very good idea, or they thought it was one of you know Sarah's crazy ideas. Uh-huh. So, uh, but when I say I'm going to do something, I do it. And so, I drove from Denver to Kansas, actually, to attend a wedding. And while my friends were pre gaming for the wedding, I went and knocked on doors. And so for the wow. savvy investors, they probably know what that means, you know, driving for dollars, knocking on doors. But for inexperienced investors, what that meant was I was actually knocking on doors. Hi, my name's Sarah. Would you be interested in selling me your house? <laughs> and, and I look back and I just, I didn't know fear. I think it continues to be a theme in my life. I'm just not a very fearful person. I always think I can f- probably figure my way out of anything. And so that, that day was no different. So I went around and I, I knocked on doors. Um, I did get very tired and lots of rejection, but I was also doing online dating at the time. So rejection (laughs) was just common space. (laughs) And, and when I found this house that I thought would be a good deal, um, I walked the property alone and I, I told them, I said, I really want to come back tomorrow. And I positioned myself in a way that I made it sound like I would need my dad's permission But I think the audience and my family all knows that, no, I knew exactly what I was doing. I just needed like a good cop, bad cop situation. (laughs) So my dad came with me the next day and he had one job and it was to point out everything wrong with the house in hopes that every time he pointed out something wrong, that's $500 or $1,000 or, you know, I was trying to get money off the price. This was back in 2017 where it was possible to get seller concessions.
1: Mm -hmm.
3: And that's exactly what we did. I actually had a printed out contract in my purse, which even in 2017 was like old school, like most were doing electronic mm-hmm. signing even then. But I had a, a printed out in my purse and I sat down at their kitchen table with the sellers and they signed it.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, it the book incredible. has a lot of uh, fun details about that story. So that's your sneak peek. Uh, Brian, What what would you like to ask Sarah?
2: Yeah, I, I would love to know, you know, what is your state? What it, what's your take on the midterm rental space now? Um, you probably see it. I've uh, seen it grow over the years. And, um, and where do you see it going? Stay with us. We'll be right back.
0: Today's episode is proudly sponsored by Furnished Finder, the ultimate platform for hassle-free midterm rentals. Whether you're a seasoned landlord or just getting started furnished finder is the place for you with furnished finder you can say goodbye to booking fees and hello to direct bookings for 30 day plus days it's a win-win for everyone involved so if you're ready to experience the joys of midterm renting and take a load off your landlord shoulders head over to FurnishedFinder.com today we make it easy to get started we're grateful to furnished finder for sponsoring this episode and we're sure you'll love what they have in store for you
3: Absolutely. So what I love is I call it my investing cocktail. I like to combine two strategies, out-of-state investing with the medium-term rental strategy. The reason being is when you're open to buying anywhere in the country, you can buy places at a lower price point. Um, I think, Brian, you live in Denver, Colorado, really expensive, right? Right. Prices are at the top of the market. It's hard to make the numbers work. It's exactly where I was living. I was living in Denver in 2017, and I was able to look over 10 hours to the east to Kansas and realize, oh, I can buy a really nice house for under 300000 and then turn around and rent it. Long term, I could rent it for 2000 So quick math, that's not hitting the 1% rule. But if I can rent it to traveling nurses or anyone looking for a furnished rental, then I can start to get closer to that 1% rule or renting it for 3,000. So that really is how I look at it, is I'm looking at how can I get a house for a price where the numbers make sense? And then how can I rent it out or maximize the property once I've acquired it? And that's where the medium-term rental strategy came in.
2: Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, we were uh, renting, and we were while we were living maybe here, where we our places were in California and Texas. So, um, amazing. It, you just go where you are, and, and what do you need? Uh, all, all we needed really was uh, uh, a cleaning crew, right, that you can trust and that has good communication and a fix it guy. And if you have those two things, and, and in your book, I think you describe a lot of this, but. Uh, Other than those two things, I mean, do you recommend anybody else need anything else to get started or are those kind of the two core things that you need?
3: Yeah, I love that because that's exactly how I look at real estate investing is let's do what I call just-in-time learning and let's keep things as simple as possible. So you nailed it, Brian. Those are the two people you need. You need a handyman and you need a cleaner. And then you probably need a lot of backup cleaners and a lot of backup handymen. but But also worry about that when the time comes. So my biggest urge to real estate investors is you don't need a PhD in real estate investing Mm. in order to figure this stuff out. You just need to get started. And so those are the two things I start with. That's awesome. Um,
1: So I actually love how much you... Uh, explain the numbers well Sarah Uh, you're really good at looking at a property and taking it saying okay here's here's the pity here's how it adds up um, and here's how the numbers work out can you give our audience some of the examples of how lucrative the midterm strategy has been for you uh, at times and why you know why that's your go-to strategy Absolutely. So I don't think that this property is in the
3: book. So this is a good Ooh. bonus content. So I picked up a duplex in March of this year. And the duplex, it's a two-unit, up-down unit, two-bedroom, one-bath on the bottom, two-bedroom, one-bath up, up top. And it's located in Des Moines, Iowa. And it's downtown downtown. It's in a B minus, maybe even C plus neighborhood. So not the best neighborhood, but definitely safe, good neighborhood, um, drivable, great distance to the hospitals or access to the hospitals. So picked up this duplex for 180, I believe it was 182, if I remember correctly. Yes. So, and you guys, I found this through my investor friendly agent. I think I was in where would I've been in March? In March, I was in Merida, Mexico, with friends, and I got this property texted to me, and I quickly analyzed it. Loved the numbers, and I bought it. So the monthly payment, the principal, interest, taxes, and insurance is eight hundred and eighty-four dollars. Lovely. So it's my cheapest. Yeah, it's my cheapest uh, P.I.T.I. of across all my portfolio. And why I love this as an example is I inherited a long-term tenant in the bottom unit. Um, they're amazing tenants. They're paying maybe $100 under market value. Otherwise, they're pretty much at market value. Great tenants. They pay on time. They're kind. So really excited about that. That doesn't always happen that way. Uh-huh. And their rent is 850 So my monthly payment is 884 and I'm getting 850 from the bottom unit. So great property to what I call play with the medium-term rental strategy. So for me, I could have easily left it unfurnished and rented out the upstairs for $850, maybe even $950. I think $950 to $1,000 is probably market rent. But instead, I spent $5,600 furnishing the upstairs because I'm now an expert at furnishing on a budget. It's beautiful. You can see it listed on Furnish Finder um, in my in my profile, I think there's going to be a link, and I rent it for one thousand nine hundred dollars a month. It's really good numbers. Yeah, really and good then, numbers. And, and then I'm a really, I'm a really conservative investor. I think that that might surprise people. You'll, if you look at my Instagram, you'll see me jumping out of planes and flying to countries all over the world by myself. Mm-hmm. So while I'm a pretty risky person, <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm a pretty risk adverse investor. Okay. Um, I always saw it as I don't have, I don't necessarily have a backup plan. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not married to a high income earner. Um, my parents don't have money. I don't have like a big trust fund waiting for me. So I really need investing to work. And so if there's listeners out there that are thinking like, oh, she's so lucky. No, listen, I really needed investing to work because I didn't have another plan. Mm-hmm. I could always go back to journalism, but guess what? I was making $45,000 as a journalist. So not very sexy. And I really needed this to work. And so I love the medium term rental strategy because I can pick up a duplex and I can be safe on one side and get a what I call a sit it and forget it tenant, a long term tenant. And then on the other side, I can use the medium term rental strategy to get really increased cash flow. And you buy enough of these and you can kind of do anything that you want. You can choose to continue to work the job that you have or you can pivot to a job that you enjoy more or if you replace your salary enough, you can just quit and retire.
1: Awesome.
2: Love that. So say that was your, say that's your first unit. You get this duplex. Um, how long do you think it would take for you to earn the down payment that you would need to do it again?
3: Yes. Great question. It's going to definitely depend on where you buy. So when you told me that you own in California and Texas, immediately I went, Ooh, that's fun because you have appreciation to play with. So what I encourage people to do is put on an asset manager hat when you own properties and analyze your portfolio every quarter. And then really deep dive every six months and have a conversation with your board of directors. So that should be your CPA, your attorney, maybe any partners that you have and decide, is this property doing the best for me and my goals at this time? So let's say that you bought something in Austin, which I think we all wish we bought something in Austin, and it appreciated 26% in, in a year. So then you can look at your property and you can say, okay, do I want to... A, sell and take the the equity and go buy something. Do I want to B, refinance, which you're not going to want to do in November of 2022 with the rates that they are. So then option three is you go get a line of credit or a HELOC if it's your primary and you use that equity to then go buy more property. So that's basically creating your own bank for yourself. That's what I think every investor should be doing is first looking at their portfolio like... Is this something I need to sell, refinance, or pull equity out of to then use to buy more? Um, If that doesn't work because you bought in Des Moines, Iowa, and things are not appreciating at the speed that you need them to in order to do that, then you have to get creative. And you have to either, in my case, I went and found another way to make money, and then I'm saving all of that money, or you go and you look for partnerships, which I've also done, and then your partner brings the money, and you're the hustle partner. Those are really the three easiest ways to create funds for your next deal.
2: Wonderful. Awesome. Are you? Do you have a partner, or uh, or do you just go in on certain deals with with a partner?
3: Yeah, great question. So the the the, the latter. So yeah. I own five properties by myself. And then I own three properties with partners. They are all different partners. So I just brought a partner in on one property, brought a different partner in on a property, and then brought recently a third partner in on a property. And for those of you that feel like that's not for you, that's exactly what I felt like. I felt like, oh, like, you know, no one's going to want to partner with me or this is really risky. I'm okay to lose my own money, but I don't want to lose their money. And then I really worked on my mindset and I realized, wait a minute, I'm bringing an opportunity to an investor. So actually the property that we just talked about, Mm -hmm. I have a partner Mm -hmm. on that deal. So for easy math, let's say that we're cash flowing $1,000 a month, which we're cash flowing more than that. But for easy math, we're cash flowing $1,000. She gets 500 a month and I get 500 a month and she doesn't do anything and she loves it she actually asked for less updates the last time we spoke. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I love, she's my favorite partner. Yeah, right? like, if my other partners are listening, be like her <laughs> because she, she she's truly, and that's what I wanted. I wanted a silent partner because it's now my full-time job. Right. I even have staff that help me with all this. This is what I do. Whereas other investors, they might want a partner to split some of the job with them. And I have a really good friends, Haley and Kat, and that's what they do. They're partners and one is uh, does acquisitions and one does dispositions. And that that works really well for them. Mm. So partnerships can look like anything. And it's,
2: it's awesome. Yeah. And not to go down too deep on the partnerships, but did, do you find these partners? Uh, did you know them ahead of time? Um, or, or did you find them on bigger pockets for them or where, where did you go?
3: Yeah. So the first partner, she was in the right place at the right time. Um, our moms are actually best friends. Nice. And I had a deal fall into my lap that morning and she happened to be over. And I looked at her and I thought, ooh, you have a job (laughs) 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 because I didn't have a W-2 at the time. And and her and I got to talking and I realized that it was a really good opportunity for her. She was just graduated and was having a wedding about six months later. So they really could use the extra money. Um, And I love it because now her and her now husband are looking to go buy their first investment property on their own. And so for that partnership, there was a lot of heart involved. Um, for the second partnership, I posted on Instagram (laughs) and, and just kind of put some feelers out there and someone who knew me from undergrad reached out. I wouldn't necessarily say that we were friends so we were more acquaintances, but he loves to travel and he was really impressed by my travels. And then he kept thinking, man, what, what does this girl do that she can travel and do real estate? So I piqued his interest by talking about the two things I do, real estate and travel. Um, And then my third partner is someone that I had never met. Um, I met her at a real estate event. She shared her goals, um, but then they didn't necessarily align with what what she was needing. So for example, she said she wanted to own Airbnbs. But then in the same kind of breath, she said, I like work actually really similar to you, Brian. She was in the like um, sales devices, medical sales device field. Mm -hmm. And she was like, yeah, I, I earn a lot of money. I don't have a lot of time. I wish I had more time for myself and my health. And I thought, man, that is a perfect equity partner. You, she told me how much money she made. She told me how much money she had, and she basically said she didn't have time. No time. Yeah. And I perfect. thought that's the
2: one thing I don't perfect. miss about that industry. I'll tell you, is that you do it, it, it takes it, a lot. It takes a lot. So I empathize with her. But what what a great partner. Um, I, I love she's, that. And she's obviously, it's partner. aggressive. If I, all my
3: partners, I mean she's my favorite partner. <laughs> right. I love
2: that. And uh, I I also love the the fact that it gets you invested faster. You know if you you could do it on your own and you could wait and then you could wait for that down payment and you could do it you could organically just grow slowly um and there's nothing wrong with that um i like your approach as well because um, while it may be a little riskier uh you know to bring on a partner um uh it will get you ultimately into the investment faster
3: Well, it also, it allowed me to take down great deals. Like the last three deals I bought are the best three deals I own. And it allowed me to take down deals while I was figuring out how I was going to become lendable again with conventional loans. So for anyone listening that's switched from a W-2 to a 1099 or lost your job or whatever it is, there becomes, there's this weird period where you don't have tax returns. So you can't become you can't get conventional loans on your own. And so I fixed that problem by finding partners.
2: Do you find your partners, um, ahead of time? Like, are you going in just sitting ready? Like I've got two, three people right now that I could do a deal with. Um, or do you find the deal and then put it together?
3: Yeah. Great question. I think if, if, anyone's listening and they're wondering how to do this. It's really is kind of a chicken and an egg. You don't want to go get a bunch of partners excited and then disappoint them by not having deals ready. Good point. Um, So the, the, the deal is the hardest part to find. Like, I don't know who thinks it's any, it's the money. It's definitely the deal. So Mm. the deal is the hardest part. So what I recommend people do is they prime their audience so maybe you send out an email or even just text messages. Hey, just a reminder, this is what I'm working on right now. Don't be surprised when I call you and I ask for money. <laughs> <laughs> or or I'm, I'm working on something and I might have an opportunity for you to make 9% on your money. Stay tuned. Mm-hmm. I think it would help you to prime your audience so that you don't just call them. Because here's what happens is you call them and then they have two days to decide. And so that can be a little scary. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think it's advantageous to go build a, a big database of partners because if you get them excited about the idea of investing and then three months go by and you didn't bring them a deal, guess what? They're going to go find somebody else.
1: Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit of a dance. I, I like what you're saying there. Sometimes you just gotta put it out there. It's like people get stuck in this mindset of, Oh, I need I need a website first, I need all this first, I need my logo, and then I can go find partners. When really it's just a relationship. It's like everything we do is relationship building and you just gotta put yourself out there. So I think that was very well said. And partnerships is one of the chapters in the book. So uh, by the book, uh, it it will be in the the link notes um, on audio and. Uh, video version so next let's jump on to the next topic which uh, kind of brings it back to I really like uh, what y'all said in the book that you have 11 reasons why MTRs uh, mid-term rentals or medium-term rentals are so valuable we talked with uh, Ziana about three of those so I'm gonna give the the other ones and let you pick which ones you want to talk about so one or ease regulations fewer expenses fewer transactions less competition you set the rate more flexible and having a guest apartment so what do you want to talk about from those uh eight of the eleven
3: yeah i i think uh less competition
1: so there's a lot
3: of conversation around sarah what about saturation is the market oversaturated? so let's 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 tackle the hardest one first. So here's what I think about competition. If you are trying to get into the luxury Airbnb space in Phoenix, Arizona, absolutely, I think there's a lot of competition and good luck buying a a property at the current market price at the current interest rate. I just don't think you're going to be able to compete with someone who was able to pick up a property in 2019 and has years of experience managing it. I think that that particular market is oversaturated for luxury Airbnbs. Now you take medium term rentals. And when I first got started, there were plenty of listings in Omaha, Nebraska, which is where seven of my nine MTRs are. There were plenty of listings. I couldn't tell you how many they were, but all I did was I looked at my competition and I said, I know that I can furnish a unit more beautiful than this Mm -hmm. and I can photograph it better. And so if you are in a market where there's not a lot of competition on Furnish Finder, that's where I would start. Because Airbnb, I do think, is very saturated with beautiful listings, but we're not seeing that on Furnish Finder. And that's a good thing because it means that you can have a $250 coffee table book budget and hire a photographer for $175 and bam your unit looks better than the other listings and so the other thing you have to keep in mind as an investor is you don't need like when you go on your website it's amazing the the furnishfinder.com forward slash stats gives you amazing statistics about the area and people are like yeah but there's you know ninety four thousand inquiries. they're like is that good and it's so hard to tell anyone, yes, that's the number, or no, that's not the number, because here's the thing. I only need four tenants a year. Right. So when I buy something, I'm like, can I have four tenants a year who pay me rent? The answer is almost always yes. And so I, I like to the analogy, if you're running from a bear, you don't have to be faster than the bear. You just have to be faster than your friend. <laughs>
1: We a lot of times end up getting only two renters per year um, or possibly three because uh, a lot of uh, people moving to the area that need to live somewhere where, why, while they're figuring out where they want to buy um and then of course the buying process takes some time and then uh renovations at this time there's a lot of people wanting to do big remodels that need a place to call home and they you know they don't want to be in a hotel uh while hotels are wonderful uh you know for a long period of time for a family that might not be a great fit so that's what we see what my husband and i see a lot in the austin area is we we don't even have four a lot of times throughout the year we might have two
3: I know. Isn't that nice? Last year, so all of 2021, 47% of my MTRs extended to six months.
2: Really? That's great. 47. When you
3: get 47. And that was all in Omaha, um, which is a great market because you're near a great hospital complex. Yeah. And so they were all traveling nurses that extended their contracts.
2: Yeah, that was my question. What industry? Um, so it sounds like uh, primarily healthcare for you, at least in Omaha, we know that's kind of a hub for a lot of medical staff and companies and hospitals. Yeah, Awesome. Um, yeah, so what about um, other types of travelers? Uh, do you, or I mean, it sounds like you're very healthcare focused and, but maybe you or the experience you had with Ziona, um, what other types of travelers are you seeing on French Finder or just coming through your doors?
3: yeah what's great is that you see all sorts so i have housed someone who was renovating their kitchen um and so i was smart and i made sure i blocked off the month after they hadn't requested it but i was like yeah your kitchen
2: <laughs> right <late."> it's gonna <laughs> expect delays <laughs> right <laughs> yeah
1: and
3: so when they sent me a message panic i was like don't panic i i plan you didn't plan for this but i planned plan that's this. fantastic so so i've had that i've also had i've had someone who um lived in a, a town where they've just felt suffocated and they were like, I wanted to move to middle of America and try it. Um and I think she had family that lived there and so she rented my apartment. Um, she didn't extend her her stay. That's odd. Um, no. <laughs> so she just wanted to try something different. Um, I've housed someone. Someone has messaged me. Um, a little bit in a panic and said, "Um, I'm going through a divorce. I need to move out today." Mm. <laughs> I said, "I got you. Don't worry." Um, and so he wasn't able to move in that day, but he was able to move in like within two weeks and. So he's, he's, I think he stayed for two months again, kind of just landing, figuring out what he's going to do next. I've had people come in town for internships, for other medical placements. So not just traveling nurses. And then I haven't had this in my unit, but I have a friend in Waco, Texas, Mm -hmm. Sylvia, and she rents to construction workers. Okay. So there's big uh, commercial construction projects going on near her. So she houses them. And then I have a friend, um, Diana, who owns in Kansas City, and she hasn't rented. There's no theme to her tenants. Like she's had a a, a woman who just needed a furnished place for we don't know why. And then she had someone in, I believe he was in the insurance business. Mm -hmm. So there's like no traveling nurses have stayed in her unit. So it really is going to depend.
2: Yeah, we are seeing a lot of that. Um, You know, you're seeing a lot of different types of of travelers it, again it could be insurance it, it could be simple relocation it could be the you know the family or the couple that are building a house and they're in between a, a remodel like the person with the kitchen um, and you know even um, traveling professors you know those med students they're their residents they're living there for you know six months or a year while they're in residency Yep. Um, and again get to know your area. You know, when, when I was a landlord in Bakersfield, California, we had a lot of oil and we had a lot of ag. So, you know, you had a lot of people that are coming in seasonally for, for those two industries. Um, definitely, uh, you're the expert in your location, so know who's coming. A lot of times they're gonna find you, um, but uh, get an idea once you start seeing a particular type of traveler come through you know figure out how you can kind of market your property to uh, to other types as well um, so it sounds like the average length of stay because you're saying that uh, 50 or almost 50 percent are renewing for an additional three months so I would imagine that bumps up your average length of stay to I don't know four months or so five months
3: it does yep I was I was at 90 I'm at 92 days across all nine units
2: okay got you. Got gotcha. you. Yeah, that's fantastic and obviously those 92 days you need one tenant for for uh per um f- per year, right? So they're going to stay 3 4 Ick. months at a time. Um and then you have all that other time to travel. That's fantastic.
3: Ick. Exactly. And then we, we haven't touched on, I mean, the biggest demographic that we're seeing is digital nomads. Uh Um, I'm not, I'm not housing any in Omaha, which is very weird. Uh, but I am an MTR user. Like I will go and book a place for a month. So I've stayed, actually I've stayed in Ziana's Apartment in Boulder, kind of while I was figuring out where I wanted to go next. So I've stayed there for a month. I've stayed in Austin for a month. I've stayed in Bali for a month. I've stayed in Portugal for a month. So even digital nomads are a good tenant source. There are actually 11 million digital nomads in the US alone.
2: Just in the US.
1: I love those facts. Because it's true. It's like you can you can work from anywhere with our technology world today. And so it's like I think what we need to wrap it back to is um, if y'all are if y'all would like to move on to the landlord logistics section. um, I think a lot of our audience is Furnish Finder uh, landlords and those. Interested in being a midterm rental landlord, and so you know, everyone's fascinated by the idea that you can manage your properties from halfway around the world, but those that are doing it might end up thinking how are you making that happen? I have a hard time leaving my city. So I really want to dive into that. uh, You know, one of those 11 reasons was the ease is what y'all said. It's, it's easy to take care of midterm rentals. And so let's jump into what that looks like. And uh, I think the first thing that you, you talk about a lot in the book is investor friendly agents. So why is investor friendly agents such an important part of that process?
3: yeah so they start as your foundation of everyone you're going to meet, so as Brian mentioned, your two people that you need is you need a handyman and a cleaning person, and then it's going that I put those on my what's called vendor list, and then your vendor list needs to grow so then you need to have a plumber, then you need to have an electrician, then you need to have a window guy and a handyman a, I call them a runner you know I, you want mm-hmm. someone that's a little less qualified to go over and like change the batteries of something. So you need a long list, what I call the vendor list, and that starts with your investor-friendly agent. First of all, I'm buying all of my property remotely, often sight unseen, and that starts with the investor-friendly agent. So I, I, even though I started out driving for dollars, door knocking, I don't want to do that anymore. Right. I have a life by design where I, in two weeks, I'm headed to Iceland, Amsterdam, and Guatemala um all in a month Bye. and um yeah i'm really excited i actually have not traveled somewhere new since march of 2020 oh wow so wow. very excited yeah i know it, i'm always traveling if anyone follows me on instagram they know that but i haven't traveled somewhere new in a long time so very excited about that and i can do that because i built systems so once you have the investor friendly agent you're going to start building out your vendor list And then you need to kind of put what I call stop gaps in. So when a tenant has a problem with this, this is what the like events that it triggers. So ideally you have them set up in a website like avail.co or apartments.com and you've trained your tenants to send maintenance requests correctly. So they send maintenance requests, you're collecting money from them. When a maintenance request comes in, maybe even you have the message, go to your handyman. That would be the most ideal. I don't. I have mine go to my executive assistant and she then knows to go to the vendor list. And if it's an easy fix, she handles it without my involvement. If it does need my approval over a certain dollar amount, then she'll send me a message. Otherwise it's all handled. Okay. I'm sure there's going to be listeners that are like, okay, that's great. Sarah has an executive assistant, but what do I do? (laughs) Um, you guys, If you don't have an assistant, you're the assistant. (laughs) And it was like that for me for years. It's not until recently when I've hit 19 units that I've hired someone. Before I hired someone, it was all me. So I'll tell a really quick story. In January of this year, so 11 months ago, I was in the jungle in Guatemala and I was on a hike. And of course, was in airplane mode or no service. And when I came out of the jungle, got on a tour bus back to where I was going, my phone turns on and that dreaded text message, like something's Uh wrong. Yeah. And of course it was a furnace because it's January in Kansas. It happened to be one of my long-term units. And instead of panicking, I just went into solutions mode. Furnace is broken. Text my heating and cooling guy using Google Voice, which I have on my phone, even when I'm in Guatemala. Text the heating and cooling guy to the tenant for faster response. Take yourself out as the middleman. And then call and make sure that the heating and cooling guy has your credit card on file. So just immediately just go into solutions mode. And things are going to break. That's the joy of owning real estate. Uh Um, And so I think the, the biggest piece of advice is mindset. So, yes, I could absolutely stay where my properties are and I could never leave, but that would be really missing the whole point. Mm-hmm. The whole point of me having this cash flow is so that I have the freedom to go on hikes in the jungle in Guatemala or buy a plane ticket to Iceland. Mm-hmm. And so, you really have to decide do you want to let the worry of out of state investing or remote investing? overpower the ability to live the life that you want or are you going to like change your mindset because that, that's the only difference that the only thing that's changed is mindset
1: so let's talk about that mindset uh, you have an investor friendly agent you've built a vendor list well you have to figure out how to one make sure you show appreciation like for your vendor team and uh, like no since we're in the hospitality business We need to know that they're going to be able to be there quickly. So how do you navigate those relationships? Since I would assume, you know, that one example, that probably happens once every 10 years. So, you know, you don't have a ton of business you're sending them. So how do you build that relationship where you know you can rely on them?
3: Yeah, great question. So your handyman, you need to know what whiskey they drink. (laughs) And you should be sending Christmas gifts. like that. So... So I, I, and I asked them, I asked them at the end of every service call, can I leave a Google review for you? Can I leave a testimonial for you? Do you want more business? Great. What's the best way for me to send you clients? Um, And the great thing is, is that, I have a database of investors and so, but everyone has, you know, for the most part, everyone has a Facebook or a mom's group or neighbors. And so find out what your vendor wants or needs and then give that to them. Solutions. Also pay and then pay them on time. Like when I get an invoice, I pay it. Mm -hmm. Um, I have learned my mistake. I do have my, I do pay a runner now to go check the work Mm -hmm. because I used to just pay and then, you know, I paid someone to hook up a dishwasher. Mm-hmm. He didn't hook it up correctly. Guess what? When I tried to tell him, hey, you need to go back and hooked up directly, he's like, listen, I already got my money. Uh-oh. Like, peace out. <laughs> <laughs> so I did, learn, I did learn the hard way that I now have someone go and check the work. Um, I get photos and videos of everything. Um, but everything can be done remotely. And the other thing you have to keep in mind is if I have to leave my house and I have to get to the airport. So I have to Uber to the airport. I have to wait at the airport. I have to fly there. I have to get a rental car. And then I go to the property. And then I inspect the counter. I don't actually know more about the counter than Daniel, my handyman. <laughs> so I can save a whole lot of time and a whole lot of money by paying someone who's an expert in that to go over to the property and check it.
1: Definitely.
2: Yeah, that's fantastic. I'm reminded of... uh My folks, they were Robin and Dwight, and they were, uh, he was the handyman and she was the cleaner, and she would actually go and shop and furnish the units as well. So we said, okay, here's the budget. And it was around, you know, like you said, around $6,000 for usually a one to two bedroom place. And, uh, so she would go and, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? So yeah. Photos, videos, all of the time. Uh, love the runner idea to you know for quality. It's it's you know that's the difficult part, obviously, but um, providing the systems uh, that you have, it, I don't think it should detract anybody. Uh, maybe a uh, a landlord who's just getting into it, going, nah, that's not for me. I'm not going to you know build that. It's just the natural progression of of your success. So I, I don't think it should. Um, deter anybody. It should just be one of those things that you get to and ultimately you're the recipient of uh, and you benefit from that because it, you're essentially firing yourself and taking yourself out of the equation because what I've learned is that at some point um, either you are the solution or you're in the way. Um, back to those investor-friendly um, real estate agents, I'm wondering, uh, are they kind of going through and in their property identification process are they kind of providing units that don't have an HOA or are they provide or are they going through and, and kind of screening out the ones that are are the HOAs that maybe are not investor friendly and how do they do that?
3: Yeah. Great question. So where I'm investing, I have not bought and don't plan on buying any condos or townhomes. Um, it's not common in the markets that I'm in. And so avoiding HOAs is, is pretty easy because I'm looking at you know duplexes and single family homes and residential neighborhoods. But, but exactly what you're saying is I'm putting together a deal criteria that's very specific. Um, I don't necessarily go down to like what zip code or neighborhood I'm looking in because, frankly, my agent is more of an expert in that than I am. But everything else is so specific that makes their job easier. I think when you text an agent and you tell them, I'm looking for a good deal, they immediately think, That's great, Kelly. Get in the back right. of the line. So Everybody's everyone, looking for a good yeah. deal. <laughs> But if you text them and you say, "Hey, I'm looking for a duplex under 350,000. I'm open to B class neighborhood up to $50,000 of renovation, and I am able to pay all cash or I have to use conventional financing, whatever it may be. That makes it so much easier for them." One thing I haven't done yet is I haven't had an agent where I've said, "I will use the medium-term rental strategy." And I want you to find me a property that's good for that strategy. It's always been just find me a deal and then I, Sarah, will figure out if it's a good, if it's a good mm-hmm. MTR. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't put that on the agent, but I do think as the strategy gains popularity and more people are talking about it, agents will start looking at properties with the lens of MTR. There's an incredible agent in Kansas City. Her name is Maria Koch, and she is able to send me deals and say, hey, this would be a great MTR. Nice. And so, I mean, she's my favorite agent um, that I haven't closed a deal with yet. <laughs> Soon. Because, because she's yeah, because she's thinking as an, an MTR
2: investor. I awesome. love that. And then, yeah, I'm just curious as to, okay, so she brings you the deal. It looks great. Passes all of your systems and, and checks all your boxes. Um, you own it. Now what? I, I, I know... Aria Design Services is is your company, um, and I think you outsource and help other landlords. Um, is that a, uh, I guess uh, maybe you could just start and tell us what is your approach, uh, you know, personally, how do you get, how do you furnish a property for $5,500? $5, and then what is uh, kind of best practices there? And then maybe you could tell us a little bit about Aria Design.
3: Absolutely. Well, first thing first, we have to talk about inflation. I don't think that I can furnish a two bedroom for 5,500 anymore. And so inflation is real. It's hit every single item on our furnish list, including spoons. <laughs> <laughs> and so the reality is the days of being able to do that may be gone unless you're willing to go be scrappy and do Facebook marketplace right. and thrift stores and all of that. But what I like to do is I like to make everything as plug and play as possible. So that's why I love the company that I started, ARIA Design Services, is because we have a kind of a strategy for each investor. If you're an investor like I was that's scrappy and you want to do everything on your own, that's great. For $99, you should buy our furnished list. It will have every single item that you probably forgot to buy, mm-hmm. like a strainer and a kettle and a spoon and the sheets that we recommend. It doesn't just say spoons and sheets and beds, it actually has a hyperlink to everything that we recommend. And I have touched or put together everything on that list. Oh. Um, if a nightstand drove me crazy and it's impossible to put together, it's no longer on the list. That's fantastic. We
1: will definitely enough. be putting that in the show notes. Um, on uh, YouTube. So, guys, if you want that list, you want to buy it for ninety nine dollars. It will be in the notes.
2: Yeah, I want I'm Excellent. interested as well, and I'm very curious as to how much of this can, uh, how much of this requires me to be in Austin. Like, I'm, it...
3: none. So, Brian, you could literally click, 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 add to cart, swipe your credit card, have everything shipped to the unit. And then if you can put together a team, which, right? you guys, a team doesn't have to be fancy. A team could be us. Aria Design Services does offer where we will fly there sure. and put it together for you. That's our highest tier. But about 90% of our clients choose the middle tier. So the middle tier is not just by the furnish list, but we will actually curate the design for you. Um, so we'll look at your space. I want measurements. I, if you have a floor plan, great. I want photos. I want videos. We're going to curate a specific design that's way beyond and more catered than the furnish list. Cater the design to customize the design to your unit, ship everything to the unit, and then you or someone you hire will install it. And it doesn't have to be really fancy. It can be one property manager or one struggling real estate agent that's willing to put it together. Mm -hmm. And then you or they can hire people on TaskRabbit to help them. I have hired people, not from TaskRabbit, but from people that I know, essentially like hourly handymen. And we, the three of us, were able to put together a unit in two and a half hours. Wow. That's impressive. And, And granted, it was, you know, it was my... Thirtieth or you know twenty fifth <laughs> unit that right. I'd ever put together, so I'm I'm really good. Right. Um, but it is possible to really do that. What what I what's important that I tell you is that that was weeks of planning, mm-hmm. which Aria Design Services would do for you. So what that meant is I had to you know look at the photos of the property, all of the dimensions curate a design, order all of the items, and then track all of the items and make sure that they actually got there on time. And then I knew exactly what nightstand was going with what bed frame, with what bedding, with what pillows, Mm -hmm. because that was all pre-prepped while I was under contract. Mm -hmm. So the beauty of this property is that I closed on it. And within four days, it was
2: being professionally photographed because it was completely furnished it's wow, fantastic and I, I love the idea uh, the practice rather of professional photographs like it always oh, yes. baffles me that somebody would go through whether you own the property or not right now or you're you're just acquiring it and you're spending all this time to furnish it um it baffles me that somebody's not willing to spend 150 or two hundred dollars to have a professional f- photographer come out and they can, they will always make it look better than you. Always. If I, your iPhone's great, but I mean, it's never going to do the job. It just simply can't, uh, in a pinch. Sure. You just want to get your listing up. Okay. Over the weekend, it's fine, but work towards professional photographs. It's, just a game changer it's the icing on the cake and it's like why would you bake a cake and then not put icing on it it's just you're not well, going to get the it, results
3: it not a, it not only affects the dollar amount that you can charge it affects your occupancy rate and yes. it also affects the quality of tenant of that tenant. you have um, and then the other thing that you can do is you can hire a professional photographer they're going to send the professional photos either to you or if you hire us they'll send them to us And then ARIA Design Services, we will write your listing description. We will get you listed on Furnish Finder. We will get you listed on any other sites that you're interested in. And we'll do all of that for you and give you all of your automated messaging so that you can truly be hands-off. Which I think a majority of real estate investors are coming to me and they're saying, I want to invest in real estate because I want to spend more time with my wife and kids, mm-hmm. not less, right. but yet they're flying there, they're going to Home Depot, they're re- sitting up at night, writing the listing description, and they're so unwilling to pay for these things until round two. Mm -hmm. You know how many, I call them round two investors. They're like, oh my God, I never want to put a a (laughs) nightstand together or a bed frame together ever again. I will gladly hire you. And so my advice to investors is hire out what you can. Mm
2: -hmm. Right.
1: I like the two takeaways from this conversation. One, Call Arya Design Services if you want it to be, you know, more hands off. Um, definitely worth, definitely worth the investment. And two, if you've been thinking about it, now's the time. Book those professional photos. I know you're thinking about it. So let's let's go ahead and uh, furnish finder landlords. Let's get those professional photos done and looking beautiful on the site exactly (laughs) all right let's jump on to the next conversation which would be uh you know this whole section the landlord logistics we're focusing around how to uh, keep it hands-on off because that's your specialty Sarah and you can furnish a property from New Zealand or take um, uh, requests about something that's broken from Mexico you know so so really that's what I want to hone in on this episode with you is uh, one of the things that the book covers is how many apps are available and y'all reference so many different apps that really help you streamline your uh, MTR process and that's each step along the way. Yeah. So I think the first thing you have to do is you have to put yourself in the shoes
3: of the tenant. And what are the three things that they want to know right away? They want to know, how do I get to the unit? How do I get into the unit? And what's the Wi-Fi password? <laughs> those are the three things. And as long as you answer those really clearly, you should not hear from the tenant in the first 24 hours. Then when they get into the unit, there's likely going to want to figure out how do I heat or cool this thing? because maybe it's not set to the temperature that they want or the weather's starting to change. And again, I don't want them to message me. Or more importantly, I want their experience to be very nice. <laughs> and I don't want to hear from them. So you want to have things in place to make it really easy. So all of those are in automated messaging. So you get a message that says, this is how you get in. And you make it so dummy proof that there's no way that they can't figure out how to get there. And some units are confusing. My own unit is confusing. I have two doors that are both considered unit two. You know, they're right next door to each other. One's technically, you know, this address and the other one's this address, but it is a little confusing. So I make it so crystal clear. If you are looking at the back of the building, it is the top right when you walk up the stairs, the door is on the right <laughs> so that there's no way that they can be confused. Right. And so you make everything really clear. And so that starts with your automated messaging. And I anticipate their needs before they have them. So I use a, a program called Hospitable. Okay. It, their, their competitor would be something like Guesty or Owner Res. Um, I use Hospitable and it allows me to send the messages at certain times. So before they can even wonder, how do I get there? Because they're checking in, you know, tomorrow, let's say they're getting a message. Then right before they're supposed to check in, here's the, you know, the entry number to get into the keypad. Everything's automated and everything's sent there. Then I go a step further and I send a message that says, I hope you had a really great stay. If you're hungry, I highly recommend this cute little bistro down the corner I also recommend to order this at the bistro. It creates a really nice feel. It makes them think, wow, this is like really good customer service. And also think about it. When you go somewhere, you're tired. You didn't go to the grocery store. You wake up tired and hungry or in need of coffee. And so let me make that easier for you and send you where I would go if I stayed there. And that's where I really think that I start to stand out as the landlord. And you have to keep in mind that your tenants are people. Mm-hmm. And they're not out to get you. They're not out to break stuff. They're not out to not pay you. They really are wanting a great, safe place to stay. And so as a landlord, you have to make sure that you do that for them.
1: Mm-hmm. You and Ziona specifically note that um, you mainly advertise on Furnish Finder, Airbnb, and and on VRBO as well. So with that automated messaging, do you set it up where you have different messages depending on what platform? Like, let's take the review for example. Well, if it's an automated yep. message that you're sending out uh, to leave a review, it's gonna it's gonna be a different process on uh, Airbnb than it would be on Furnish Finder. So is it are you able to use um, your, the hospital program to kind of set it up per site, or is it just uh, one generic message.
3: Yeah. Great question. So what's great is it does automate with Airbnb and I believe VRBO. Uh Um, Ziana's properties are on VRBO because she's in specific locations that are great for that. Uh My properties are just on Furnish Finder and Airbnb. And so when I have them set up on Hospitable, we're manually taking the tenant from Furnish Finder and putting them into Hospitable. And in doing so, they get set up on a different sequence. So you're exactly right. Their messages are a little bit different toward the End when it comes time to leave a review um, or anything tied to like automatic payments, but otherwise, the messages are all the same. And they're getting messages like, for example, they're getting messages like reminders about trash and recycling, they're also getting a nice polite urge that we would like them to hire our cleaner so that the unit is cleaned during the stay um, so they're sent our cleaners information if they want an additional clean during their stay just certain messages are sent out throughout time and then we also have notifications to uh, to us anytime you know a reservations changed or a cleaning is coming up there's messages to my team my executive assistant as well as my cleaners
1: awesome
2: I think this is amazing and it really shows that a landlord, like you do this by yourself. Yes, you have partners, but you're you're the, the, the main person in your organization and, and yet you're able to do it all without property managers, right? Because yeah. they take what, 30, 40% and people go out, well, you know, I, I can't do it without a property manager. Yes, you can. And um, it just uh just to see how one person has built and is building, you know, an empire of, of mid-term and short-term rentals, uh, is a, is amazing. And and clearly in order to do it, in order to be successful, um you you have to professionalize. And I'm just so impressed with your with your systems and uh not only on the back end of managing maintenance requests and things, but also on the front end of making the you know the the tenants stay uh, an enjoyable one and anticipating their needs so um yeah just congratulations very inspiring
3: thank you and and a lot of this i've just figured it out along the way oh yeah Um, that's what we do right (laughs) i i I think I, i realized really quickly well even let's take the the story i shared where you know 10 11 months ago i was doing this by myself and I still was able, I think I was only, I was only on airplane mode for a few hours that day. But now in two weeks, I, my goal is to be on airplane mode for five days. I'm going to Iceland. I'm going to be like out actually on the ice looking, we're in search of the Northern lights. Ooh. And my goal is to completely unplug. And that wouldn't be possible if I didn't learn to put systems and processes together and hire a great team that I trust. Mm-hmm and if i come off the ice and you know things are broken and things happened it just is what it is
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so the the funny thing is i'm i'm going to give you a little um background i work off uh Questions that I create, and I think I wrote down fifty questions for you, Sarah, knowing that I wouldn't be able to answer or get all of them answered today. Uh, So the I love it. I love (laughs) I love how prepared you've been. Thank you, Kelly. You're welcome. So the fun thing is, um, we're we're advertising the book here today, and so um, thirty day stay. Some things that we didn't get to talk about in this section that you can look forward to in the book are how to your 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 cleaner is your. MVP. So how to interview and maximize uh, choosing the right cleaner. Uh, It also talks about how to choose a top-notch management company and what questions to ask them to find the right one if you don't want to do it yourself and you really do want to be hands-off. And then um, I think the last thing I'll ask uh, just for a quick answer is the book notes uh, about automated pricing tools, um, how that can actually help uh, increase your revenue by up to 40%. And that's probably a lot of time combining the STR and MTR strategy, which uh, many of our landlords do. So what are some of those pricing uh, softwares that, that you would recommend?
3: Yeah, I think the two competitors that I've seen most use is Pricing Labs and Dynamic Pricing. Okay. Um, And that can really help you understand your market as it changes through the season. So using Ziana's property as an example, it might be able to be rented for $2,400 during the winter, but then in the summer peak months, she can get $3,000 or even $4,000. Okay. And so pretty incredible what's happening there. Um, And then as far as finding cleaners, the reality is, is that no one's going to be perfect. And so I have gone through a handful of cleaners and a handful of handymen. And so I don't have some secret ingredient that you guys don't have. I'm so sorry, audience. I (laughs) wish that I could come on and say, I found the missing piece. But the reality is, is that you just have to realize what's most important to you. And what what do they always say? It's a quality, speed and price. And so you kind of have to choose two and sacrifice the other. And so it's really up to you as an investor, which two are most important to you.
1: Nice. And I think y'all recommend Google searching vacation rental Cleaning services, or uh, I know I hear the uh, turnover BNB talked about as well. So, those are just some ideas there. So, we will transition to our last section Furnish Finder, favorites, and key check. So, what has been like the main value uh, of only having to advertise on Furnish Finder and Airbnb? What has been the main value of Furnish Finder for you?
3: Yeah, it's the quality of tenants. Um, the the quality of tenants that come through Furnish Finder is really unmatched. Um, they know exactly what they're looking for. They are used to the process of you know moving into key check or whatever the system you use, and so their response time is fantastic and. Just the ease. And so for a long time, I was getting all of my tenants from Furnish Finder, and it just made everything so easy. And so I don't spend, a, I get asked a lot is Sarah, do you have a direct booking site? And the answer is no. Like, I want easy. Um, Some could call it lazy. Like, yeah, if you want to call me lazy, go for it because I just want something that that works. And listing my units on Furnish Finder has resulted in 97% occupancy across all my units. And four of my units are at 100% occupancy. I haven't had a single day of vacancy in four of my nine
2: units. Congratulations. That's That's awesome. Yep. That's a huge, huge win. Congratulations. And uh, part of professionalizing is um, the system of onboarding each new tenant. Um, Are you screening all of these new tenants?
3: So everything is automated um, through through Furnish Finder. I have an automated message that tells them exactly what to do. Um, That message is telling them to send me proof of employment, um, a uh, reference, and their driver's license. And then my executive assistant is doing the reference check now. It, of course, was me before that, um, doing that reference check. Um, And then if you're going to do any type of criminal or background check, then you can use great things like KeyCheck or Apartments.com or Avail. Those systems all have things in place for you. What I like about the traveling nurses is I usually skip on the criminal background check because we know that they're Very heavily screened because they're working in the hospital system.
2: Yeah, that's a good thing. And now what about uh, bankruptcies or judgments, liens, evictions, credit scores? Are those important or no?
3: They are when they're not a traveling nurse. I'm catching those. When they are a traveling nurse, I'm not putting them through a background check um so far knock on wood that hasn't been a problem um probably the moment that it does become a problem then i'll use an extensive check checking system how many, like key check that you have
2: how many uh travel nurses have you hosted to date
3: how oh, that's a great question i think i'm at 949 probably at 45 to
2: 60
3: wow awesome is my rough estimate yeah, yeah. it's
2: fantastic
1: Good, and so far they've been tenants, great. I can right. tell you the
3: one. Mm. I can tell you the one that wasn't great, and it had nothing to do with any criminal background check. She just, well, she was a she was a treat.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do it long
3: that, enough, guys? right? Like I, I think, Well, that's what I think is how good is that? A lot of podcasts, you know, we spend the whole podcast talking about that one tenant. But man, one. Let's say it was forty. One out of forty. That's some really good odds, right? (laughs) Right.
2: And it didn't end in eviction, right? Exactly. Oh, it did? No. Oh, it did not? No,
3: no, 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 exactly. No, I've never had an eviction with any of my MTRs. And and I've only heard of like, you know, I call it a legend. (laughs) Whereas I've never heard of any investor having to do an eviction with an
2: MTR. Right. Right. Yeah, that's a one of the risks with the.
3: I've done one. I've done an eviction with a long term tenant.
2: Right. Yeah, I was going to say that's one of the risks with the traditional focus of twelve month lease is that uh, maybe a squatter or an eviction as well. But in midterm rentals, uh, everybody I've spoken to, they haven't uh, experienced one personally.
1: That's the great thing about Furnished Finder Travelers is, is. It's a shorter stay. They view it as uh, your property that that they have a privilege to stay in and they want that deposit back. So it's like it's really great tenant pool uh, for the midterm strategy. And we're really grateful for every all every one of our Furnish Finder travelers. Um, Sarah, anything to add to that?
3: No, I just think that when you run a business long enough, things are going to happen. And so again, kind of going back to the mindset piece, you just have to really realize that this is a business. Mm -hmm. And so if you're treating every broken plate like that's going to create a bad day for you, Mm -hmm. then you either have two decisions, either don't be a real estate investor or work on your mindset. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, Leases so chapter 15 uh is funny because one of the first things it says is we don't really complain about anything mtr related but if we could it would be about leases (laughs) and so uh i did want to add in uh for uh for you and ziana i'm sure that y'all have streamlined your process and and it's not as tedious for you anymore but if you haven't tried uh the furnish finder uh lease partner law depot uh like the book was saying it kind of you know it, it could take hours or maybe I don't remember 30 minutes I think that's what it referenced um, and and key check uh, partner with law Depot it's what's really great is you you can save um, your leases per house so after you have that first lease saved for for that specific house if you have different uh, if you need different uh, wording in your leases uh based off the property. Then next time all you have to do is pull up that save lease, edit the details, and then shoot it over in whatever e signature program that you use. And so uh like for for um uh, Law Depot it, it really could be like a five to ten minute process uh just to kind all right, of Kelly, I want, I want you to
3: time it. I want you to time <laughs> it next time. Yeah yeah, yeah it's, it's probably not five ten minutes is it? Th- <laughs> I've timed myself and I've timed my assistant and it doesn't take five minutes. Okay. Um, I'm going to time it. (laughs) However, that's why I love the strategy is we're doing it three, two, three, or four times a year. Yeah. So, like, even if it does take 45 minutes, like, who cares? Mm-hmm. Um, because it's only taking you, you know, less than an hour to create a really great source
2: of income. But,
3: but yeah, get back to me. I want to hear, how. I want to see
2: you. Time. <laughs> I'll have to do that. <laughs> yeah, when when, I, when we were doing, um, uh, it was always, like, I don't know if you guys did this, but we worked off one lease, and then... I would, and you've hosted, you hosted say 40 to 60 travelers. You know, we, we hosted probably a hundred or 200 over the, over the years. And it was very similar. It was like, I would take that one lease and I would adjust it for that one tenant. And then I would take that, that lease. And then I would adjust it for the next tenant. And then I would take that. And then at some point I'm going, I don't even know if, if the, the body of the, like the legal version of the lease is, <laughs> cause I've, I've edited it so many times. So yeah, the, the approach on Key Check is that, Hey, you know, you're guaranteed to have, you know, a yes. state specific lease with all of the updated wording. So you are protected. Your traveler is protected, um, without wondering is my lease still good i got it in 2016 i'm still using it i've changed it you know 400 times since then uh is it still valid but um yeah it's a good approach for sure
1: well brian right, do you have any it. uh final questions for furnish finder uh favorites uh for Sarah?
2: um any other tips for onboarding how do you make it um quick and easy. And then what do you do with your listing, uh, your furnished on your listing while you're considering a specific tenant?
3: Yeah. So uh, that's a great question. So I keep my listing open until it's said and done. You, you never want to, you know, put the cart before the horse or do the touchdown dance before you've actually crossed the, the finish line. And so I keep my, my listing live. Also, I have so many units in one area that if that one listing isn't a good fit for the tenant, then they can usually be plugged in for the next opening, um, which is the nice thing about owning multiple MTRs in the same area. And so when I'm screening tenants, I'm typically screening tenants for three units at a time. Um, and then for as where, as as far as making it automated, I think anytime you get a question, it means that your system is not good enough. So if they're asking like, where do I send my rent money? Then it wasn't clear enough in the email. If they're asking how to use the remote, then it wasn't clear enough in the house manual. So every time you get a question, you should be putting that aside. Usually you get the question at the worst time. So you don't have time to like stop and you know, ramp up your system then. But every time I get a question, it goes into a Google Doc. And then when I make time to to improve my systems, I go into that Google Doc and I'm looking, okay, the, this person did have trouble, for example, getting into the unit with the two twos, right? The, it, was, mm-hmm. it was very confusing. Um, and it wasn't well lit. So guess what we did? We bought a sensor light. And so constantly be thinking about how can you improve this? I'll never forget a friend of mine, Nina. She was like, yeah, but they're always asking me like they can't see the house number. And I just kind of looked at her. I'm like, what would you do if you couldn't see your house number? (laughs) She was like. Oh yeah, you're right. And so she bought a light for it and then bought lights, you know, lighting up her, her driveway. And, and it doesn't have to be a really expensive solution, but now she's not getting that message anymore. And it also makes it safe. Like I'm very big on safety as a solo female traveler. And a lot of these traveling nurses are coming in and out late at night or early in the morning. Safety is a really, really big thing for me. And so I'm always thinking like, how would I want to walk into the unit? Um, and so that's really important,
2: yeah,
1: I think like this whole episode has been summed up really well in the fact that you're building systems to um, help build relationships and solve problems because while yes. while we are. Uh, landlords and property owners. At the end of the day, we're in the hospitality business with midterm rentals. And really it's about that, making sure that they feel comfortable and at home and have everything that they need. And you've, you've really summarized well how to make that happen for your guests. And I think that our listeners will gain even more uh, about that from the book. Um, so Sarah, we just really appreciate you being here. Um, and how are the book sales going? It's December sixth is the re- release date, right?
3: Yes. So really, really excited. Um, we are in pre-order right now. The pre-order link is live and your listeners, they can order the book, um, at biggerpockets.com forward slash 30 day stay. And they can use either one of our names. They can use Ziana or Sarah for 10% off. So definitely any listeners really encourage you to buy the book. Um, and a lot of people have, so last week we had a meeting with publishing, and we still have about 10 days left of pre order um, as far as from the Bigger Pockets website. And we have sold 1,200 copies. Wow. And so
1: congratulations! Yeah, That's so exciting!
2: <laughs> Congrats.
3: Thank you. It's really, really exciting. I knew people wanted to talk about this because it's all of the DMs I get on Instagram are, what do you think about this? What do I do about this? How do I do this? And so obviously Furnish Finder comes up a lot in my DMs answers and it comes up a lot in the book because Furnish Finder continues to be a really great resource for us real estate investors.
2: Wonderful, wonderful. Well, congratulations on your success. Congratulations on your book. Thank you for spending time with with us and and with other landlords. Just to they're wondering what what the magic button is, and they're they're saying, well, you know, it may not necessarily be a magic button, but there are. Many steps along the way to, you know, create a successful midterm rental real estate business. And thank you very much for sharing. And obviously in a short podcast, you can't touch everything. So go get the book.
3: Yes, please, please pick up the book and then reach out to me. I love hearing from listeners. Um, I really do read and check all of my DMs. So if you want, you can message me on Instagram at Sarah D. Weaver, or you can go to my website, sarahdweaver.com. I really like hearing from you guys because I've now turned around and created programs and systems and even businesses that serve the real estate investor community because I, I really think we're onto something.
1: Agreed. Well, thanks everyone for being here for another great episode. Until next time, share, share this episode with a friend.